On tonight's Resistance Report, we will be discussing Donald Trump and his efforts, his new efforts to derail Mueller, to derail the Mueller investigation. Also, at the same time, uh, take ten- attention away from this new book that has uh, been becoming an instant bestseller because, ironically, Donald Trump is making it an, an instant bestseller about how stupid Donald Trump is and how, in effect, the Trump administration has colluded with Russia. Uh, We'll be investigating, in other words, Trump's brain and Trump's brain trust all tonight on The Resistance Report. It's The Resistance Report for Monday, January 8th, 2018, where we connect the dots and help make sense of the big picture. I hope you have a good new year and are ready for 2018. And I hope 2018 is better than 2017. Today, we're going to look at Trump's mental state, his latest round of attacks against the press, and what this all means in the context of the Mueller investigation. And now, let's get to it. First, Trump's brain. Uh, Let's just uh, say that this is uh, Trump's brain. Uh, And for more than a year, I have been hearing from people in the inner circles of official Washington, you know, GOP lobbyists and Republican pundits, and even a few Republican members of Congress, they've been telling me that Donald Trump is remarkably stupid and unhinged. Uh, I didn't really believe it, or I believed it to some extent, but after all, he's president of the United States. You don't become president of the United States by being stupid. But now comes Fire and Fury. It's a book by journalist Michael Wolff, who interviewed more than 200 people who have dealt with Trump both as a candidate and as president, including senior White House staff members. Now, in this book, Wolf details the chaos and dysfunction. Uh, And it's chaos and dysfunction that is within the Trump White House, but it's also a sort of chaos and dysfunction in the Trump Trump brain. Uh, It's all reflected. It's all part of the same thing. Uh, The account depicts Trump himself as unfocused, incompetent, despised by his own staff. National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster calls Trump a dope. It's not very flattering. Uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and former Chief of Staff Reince Pribus both refer to Trump as an idiot. Uh, Rupert Murdoch says Trump is a, excuse the language, fucking idiot. Uh, Trump's chief economic advisor, Gary Cohen, describes Trump as dumb as shit. Uh, Explaining that Trump won't read anything, not one page memos, not the policy briefing papers, nothing. Uh, Trump gets up halfway through meetings with world leaders because he's bored. Now, over the weekend, Trump offered his own evidence of his own mental deficiencies. Uh, He tweeted that he is a stable genius. Stable genius. I don't know what a stable genius actually is. Is it a genius 
who lives in a stable, or maybe it's genius as in a species. It's a stable species, a plant. I don't know. Can you imagine any other, seriously, sane person, any other president, any other person with any responsibility in this country proclaiming himself, tweeting that he is a stable genius? I mean, there is the proof, folks. Compounding the damage, Trump's lawyers have threatened to block publication of this book altogether, claiming that Wolf's account violates a non-disclosure agreement. Now, obviously, this maneuver has brought even more attention to the book. Free publicity. Free publicity. More. It's, I mean, it's, all, it's an instant bestseller. More stupidity. I mean, if you want to make a book go away, you don't talk about it. Trump's mental problems seem to have infected even those around him. Now, I should say, I have been in or advised four administrations, uh, three Democratic and one Republican. I've never seen an advisor as fanatical, as, shall I say, weird as Stephen Miller. Uh, here he is yesterday on CNN with Jake Tapper. Um, on Saturday, President Trump put out a series of tweets defend himself on this issue of fitness. And he said, quote, actually throughout my life, my two greatest assets have been mental stability and being like really smart. Crooked Hillary Clinton also played these cards very hard. And as everyone knows, went down in flames. I went from very successful businessman to top TV star to president of the United States on my first try. I think that would qualify as not smart, but genius and a very stable genius at that. Do you think tweets like that help or hurt the cause that the president is stable and up for the job? Not only do I think they help it, but I think in the toxic environment that you've created here in CNN and cable news, which is a real crisis of legitimacy for your network, and we saw it, of course, with the extremely fake news you reported about the Don Jr. and WikiLeaks story, there was a huge embarrassment for your network. Stephen. Just like the huge embarrassment you had when you got the Comey testimony wrong. Stephen, I'm trying to get to the issue of the president's fitness, which a lot of people well, are I'm getting to the issue of your no, fitness, you're... but the president's, the president's tweets absolutely reaffirmed the plain spoken truth. A self-made billionaire revolutionized reality TV and tapped into something magical that's happening in the hearts of this country. So why are Trump and the people around him going on the attack like this? Why not just ignore the book? We all know Trump has an incredibly fragile ego, but he's also under growing pressure from, wait for it, the Mueller investigation. This is what is really affecting Trump's brain. It's the Russian connection. Wolf's book provides new insight into the Trump campaign's effort to collude with Russian operatives in the 2016 election. And a lot of that evidence comes from Steve Bannon. Bannon claims that there is little chance that Trump was unaware of his son's attempts to collude with Russian operatives. He even describes Trump Jr.'s meeting with Russian lawyer Natalia Veselnitskaya to obtain dirt on Hillary Clinton as treasonous and unpatriotic. Now, those are interesting words. Treason? I mean, the word treason, even Democrats are not bringing, have not brought up the word treason. Treason is an interesting word here. In another damning revelation, Bannon warns that special counsel Robert Mueller is zeroing in on Jared Kushner's financial connections to Russian oligarchs. Any evidence of money laundering 
could unravel a larger plot to collude. Now, look, it's important to take these claims at this point with a grain of salt because it is just uh, the word of uh, a few people. But the revelations do come just at the time that Mueller's investigation moves forward on two key fronts. One is Trump's finances. The other is possible obstruction of justice. A few weeks ago, now again, connecting the dots, that's what we do here, the Wall Street Journal reported that Mueller has subpoenaed Deutsche Bank for information on accounts held by Trump and his family. So just keep in mind, you've got Deutsche Bank here. This is this, uh, you know, it's a big German bank. He's been subpoenaed. Trump's relationship with Deutsche Bank goes back some two decades when he couldn't get a loan from any other bank because of his serial bankruptcies. So Donald Trump went to Deutsche Bank after he had gone bankrupt and no other bank would give him any money. He goes to Deutsche Bank and Deutsche Bank comes through with about $300 million, nearly half of Trump's outstanding debt at that point in time. Why would Deutsche Bank give Trump when Trump was bankrupt and repeatedly bankrupt $300 million? According to the Washington Post, just before Election Day, Jared Kushner's real estate company finalized a $285 million loan with the same bank for its property near Times Square. And so you have here Jared Kushner, the son-in-law, and you've got money, a lot of money, 300 and 200, 285 million dollars. So Kushner is also a beneficiary of the Deutsche Bank. Soon thereafter, the bank paid $630 million to settle charges of laundering $10 billion for Russian oligarchs. Now over here, you got some Russian oligarchs. Hello, hello, oligarch, 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 Russian oligarchs. They are laundering their money. <coughs> Do you, do you see any of these? You see what there is possible connection? Draw a line from the Russian oligarchs to the banks, to Trump and Kushner. And the big question is whether the Kremlin has had and still has control over Trump. Now, Mueller's team has also turned a spotlight on whether Trump has obstructed justice in the firing of former FBI Director James Comey. According to new reports from the New York Times, last March, Trump ordered White House counsel Donald McCann to prevent Attorney General Jeff Sessions from recusing himself from the Russia investigation. Trump told his advisors that he needed Sessions in place to protect him. Here's Jeff Sessions who always looks like he is caught in the headlights. Such a brazen request that, that Sessions not recuse himself against the advice of his own attorneys shows 
clear intent to interfere with the outcome of the investigation, doesn't it? I mean, another piece of evidence we got last week, the spokesman for Trump's legal team, Mark Corallo, he resigned over the summer over what he believed to be obstruction of justice in response to revelations of Trump Jr.'s meeting with Russian operatives. You remember? Trump personally dictated a misleading statement aboard Air Force One to combat initial reports of that encounter. The plot thickens. Now, remember, the federal crime of obstruction of justice applies to, quote, whoever, by any threatening letter or communication, impedes or endeavors to impede the due and proper administration of the law in a proceeding or investigation by a government agency or department. So we're getting closer and closer. And as Mueller gets closer, Trump and his enablers have intensified their campaigns against Trump and rather against Mueller and against Hillary Clinton and against the press. All as Mueller closes in. Now, against Mueller, several Trump loyalists, so Mueller is attack, the, the subject of, of one set of attacks. Several Trump loyalists in the White, in the House, have demanded that Attorney General Jeff Sessions now resign. Sessions' resignation would allow Trump to appoint a new attorney general who is not recused from the Russia probe and could, therefore, fire Mueller. House Intelligence Committee Chair David Nunes is also stepping up his attacks on Mueller's team and the law enforcement agencies around it, including convening a group of Republicans to draft a report on corruption among the investigators working for Mueller. Now, this is all, remember, this is all grist for... Fox News, and for the New York Post, and for all of the groups that basically want to cast doubt on Mueller, who is a rock-ribbed Republican. You could not get better kind of credentials, nonpartisan credentials, that, than Rob Mueller. Now, meanwhile, against Hillary. Believe it or not... You got, at the same time, a new set of investigations. Jeff Sessions' Justice Department has reopened an investigation into the Clinton Foundation and is considering another probe of Hillary Clinton's emails. I mean, Hillary Clinton is no longer running for president. Hello? She probably won't run for president in 2020. The people who win elections in the United States, unlike banana republics, they don't go after their opponents after the election. But this kind of thing, although it happens in banana republics, it hasn't happened before in the United States until now because Trump and his enablers, why are they doing it? Because they want to deflect attention from Mueller's investigation and they want to go after Hillary, so it looks like this is just all partisan mumbo-jumbo. Now, at the same time, Trump is loading up the government agencies that would investigate his possible Russia financial crimes. I'm talking about the IRS, Treasury's Financial Crimes Unit, both U.S. attorneys that cover New York City, with acting cronies. These are people who are loyal to Trump, 
They are acting cronies, U.S. attorney, IRS, elsewhere, and they are not serving with Senate confirmation. Nobody knows about them. They're just acting, quote unquote, acting. They're acting for Trump. And finally, Trump is accelerating his attacks on the press, not on Rupert Murdoch's Fox News and the New York Post, which have become the Pravda propaganda arms of the administration, but really on the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN and the rest of the National Press Corps that's been reporting on Trump, rather than being his Pravda, rather than being his propaganda arm, you know, all of the rest of the National Press Corps have just been trying to report on him, on him, but what Trump wants to do and what he's doing and his minions are doing is attacking them at the same time because they are reporting on him. So you've got an attack on Mueller, an attack on Hillary Clinton, an attack on the press, all of these acting people. Now, here again is Stephen Miller on CNN yesterday. 24 hours of negative anti-Trump coverage on this network okay. that led in recent weeks to some spectacularly think, embarrassing false reporting. I think the viewers your network. right now can ascertain no, the viewers hysterical. are entitled my, to have my, three months of the truth. Folks, these attempts to discredit an independent investigation, to undermine the rule of law and vilify the press are direct threats to our democracy. As we come to the end of Trump's first full year in office, we have got to, all of us, remain vigilant against his attacks on our Constitution. These are all veiled attacks on the liberties we have and the misuse of public authority. He has already employed many of the same tactics that tyrants have used throughout the history of the world to consolidate their power. We have seen this before. So I encourage all of you to make this New Year's resolution. Stop complaining about Trump. I understand you want to complain. I want to complain a while. But stop complaining and start doing something about him. Help take back Congress, as well as state legislatures and governors, in 2018. That is the most important thing all of us can do right now. Democracy is fragile. It requires all of us to protect it. Now, here are some great groups you can get involved with this year. You ought to just take their addresses down there and find them on the Internet. Use them. And now for your questions. All right, question time. Uh, Pam Gigis, or Gigius, why would Republicans try to pass bills that are not supported by the majority of their constituents? For example, repealing net neutrality, the tax reform bill, repeal of health care. It's almost as if they don't, don't care about being reelected and what, what the voters want. How could this be? Pam, uh, it's because of the backers. I mean, the financial backers of the Republican Party are the biggest money in this country, such as the Koch brothers and the Mercers and others. 
what the Republicans are playing is a very cynical game. They say to themselves, look, even if we enact stuff that people don't like or our constituents don't much like, what we have and will have going into the election is so much money behind us that we can fool the people into thinking that what we've done is actually good for them. And we've also got the biggest con man in America at our backs or, 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 or helping us, and that is Donald Trump. He can convince anybody of anything. Uh, let uh, Leonor Delgado, what can we do to influence the Democrats to run more progressive candidates? Leonor, uh, it really does come down to the primaries. Uh, starting pretty soon, uh, extending right through the year, we are going to have Democratic primaries. And if there are progressive candidates that are to the left, and I use these terms advisedly, uh, of the incumbents or other candidates, uh, support them, because that will move the Democrats and the incumbent candidates uh, to the left. And it might even possibly move some of the Republicans a little bit to the left. Adriana Vasquez, if Congress obtains the votes to reverse the FCC's recent repeal of net neutrality and Trump veto their reversal, can Congress override his veto? Adriana, in theory, yes, Trump can override the veto, but it's going to take enough votes to override a veto. And right now, they're nowhere near that number of votes. Marshall Wells, my Uncle George says it's only right that taxpayers can no longer deduct state and local taxes because it is a subsidy for blue states. Your response. Uh, Marsha, uh, that is utterly ridiculous. You tell your Uncle George that blue states have been sending to Washington, even before the new tax bill became law, so much more money than they got back from Washington. Red states have been getting back from Washington so much more money than they've been sending to Washington that actually it has been already a subsidy from blue states to red states. One of the biggest undiscussed subsidies in America. And it's now going to be even worse because most of the blue states, many big blue states can no longer deduct uh, state and local taxes according to the new tax law. Uh, Pat Guinness. Uh, how can we reverse gerrymandering in time for the 2018 elections? Who sets the district boundaries? How can we, can a regular citizen assist in redrawing lines in each of our states? Uh, Pat, there is not a huge amount that can be done before 2018. Uh, and that's because those boundaries are already there. Uh, the state legislatures are already there in place. Uh, but one thing you should push for in your state and others should push for in their states is to get the district boundary decisions out from under the legislatures altogether. Put it under an independent uh, commission. Uh, California has done that. A number of other states have done that. Uh, and demand that those uh, independent decisions come up with districts that look like districts, that don't look like gerrymandered creatures, but actually are contiguous in the sense of being symmetrical. Uh, this is very important, and it's important for obvious reasons, because right now there's a lot of voter suppression going on, and if we are not careful, we are going to lose our democracy. Uh, before I go, I want to thank again uh, the inimitable Sasha Lightman, 
and the extraordinary Andrew Santana, and of course, the amazingly talented Jake Kornbluth for all of their continuing help on all of the things we do. And I want to again wish you the best for the new year. I'll see you next week. The Resistance Report is a production of Inequality Media and is hosted by me, Robert Reich, and produced by Sasha Lightman. This episode was edited by Chris Lucas with music by Nick Deicher. And please be sure to let your friends know about this new podcast. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so other people will be able to discover and make use of what we're doing here. 